You're listening to On Point with Alex Pearson on Global News Radio. 818, time for Counterpoint tonight. Jeremy Richler, Toronto area lawyer, and Michael Diamond, campaign strategist and political commentator for Upstream Strategy Group, join us. Hey, guys. Hello. Let's start with the apology because I just finished off on that. So, of course, late today, the family of that 11-year-old girl who lied to police, they sent out a very sincere apology to all Canadians for lying. And in the statement, the family did say they assumed it to be true, just like everyone else. And they said they are sorry for the pain and anger caused in the last couple of days. I'll start with you, Jeremy, on this. So is this enough for you? Uh, It is. I mean, I would like to know a little bit more about what happened. I mean, in the end, it doesn't really make that make a huge difference but it's just a very bizarre story because here you had somebody alleging a very serious hate crime took place granted she's 11 years old and I'm glad her identity is being protected now but it really had the, it <laughs> had the, the world fact. it had the world talking and uh and you know anti-islam bigotry all forms of bigotry or something society can't accept but it had everyone talking and then to find out that it wasn't true Something, something is amiss here. So, I mean, I'm very glad that the apology was there because that's an admission that something wrong was done and we can move forward. But I would just, you know, in the coming days, you know, like to just learn a little bit more about um, what happened. But, yeah, I am ready to put it behind it with that caveat. Case closed for you. Yeah, yes and no. Look, I mean, first of all, I'm just thankful that none of the mistakes that I made when I was 11 years old blew up into a national news story. <laughs> no We're all really this, lucky. This, yeah. And that's why, you know, I, I think it's it's very good for now, to your point, that this girl's identity has been protected, because hopefully this is something that she'll mature and uh, be able to move beyond this. But uh, in the social media world, it's going to be tough. This will follow her around. And that's why the media does not identify victims yeah. of possible violent crime. And so to me, the issue is still the Board of Education has some explaining to do. Absolutely. You know, and we have to have a trust and verify uh, attitude with all of these things. So they were they were right uh, to uh, when she when she came and said that she had been attacked this way to to start asking questions, to call in the police, to let the parents know. But they had to have had a m- more of a more of a uh, skeptical look at this. Obviously, you want to believe people, but you, you definitely need to, there needs to be a, a proper investigation, proper looking at this and proper questions need to be asked. Well, look, I th- Lauren Honigman just brought up a great point this was an ongoing investigation with an apparent uh, you know scissor wielding asian man running around it was an ongoing investigation and within about 45 minutes of hearing the allegation she was out in front of all the media it's going around the world and this would have uh, ruined any kind of police investigation on an evidentiary um, issue because th- that's one thing you would not want to, to get out is all the information she was giving. So the Board of Education right then, and even the police should have said, uh, no, 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 this is ongoing. We need to kind of step back. And they didn't. No, you're, you're, you're quite right there. I mean, it, when, when you're making allegations of that severity, we can say certainly as lawyers that you really want to dot the I's and cross the T's before a public announcement is made. And the fact that it wasn't, like I said, that's what I'm hoping will be uncovered in the days to come in terms of what procedurally went wrong here. Because, uh, you know, it's a very serious allegation. Like I said, it had everyone talking. And, now, and also it did bring out some of the worst in people, you know, making anti-Islamic uh, trolling tweets on uh, on. And Facebook messages, and and that's unacceptable. So yeah, I mean, this is very serious. And somewhere procedurally, something went wrong. And I like to see them get to the bottom of it quickly. Just quickly, while I've got you though, because you're a lawyer, would there be a case for the family then? Because look, this child, um, she's got to bear this thing. It's a lot of weight. Would they be able to to sue the school board? 
Well, I mean, there... if there's the thing is, I mean, if there's uh, if if they can show, you know, granted she's a child, but they could be the litigation guardian. If they could show that there's damage been done to the child, that there to the child, and that there's causation on the part of the school board, that the school board's actions that they're tort or wrong caused the negative consequences that follow there's potentially a case but there's a two-year limitation period so i'm betting that everyone's just going to sleep on it for a while yeah let's hope they they don't do that and that they don't blame the school board for their daughter making up a story and that they get her the help that she needs as well yeah, well, look, I don't know if the girl needs help. She's 11. And, yeah, and she's children 11. lie. Well, and that's the thing about children. Now that she didn't need before, but that's right. not the Well, fault I think she's going to need board. help now, but that's the thing. Children lie. And it's not the first time the media. do also. Exactly. But but the difference in this case, and, and I think what, what we should have learned in other cases where children have lied, is that you've got to take time to make sure it's verified and it's authentic. And that's why this whole rushing well, her out was just bizarre to me. Well, and that's not just about children. I mean, and hopefully we, we take this as a solemn reminder yeah. that there is a process yep. in, in law and that we have to, we have to apply that across the board. Yep. Let's talk about the, the premier because she was asked about this hijab hoax uh, today. You know, she and Mr. Every politician kind of commented on this right away. They were, you know, they were politicizing the issue. But here is her response today when asked about it. Take a listen. It's unfortunate when there is an incident that turns out not to be uh, not to be real. But but when we learn of incidents like this, I think it is our responsibility to say that kind of behavior, uh, alleged behavior, is unacceptable. It's unacceptable in Ontario, and it's unacceptable in this country. And I would say it's unacceptable anywhere. And I, so the prime minister and the premier are doubling down on this hoax and and politicizing it because it didn't happen. And so for me, Jeremy, the only thing that should have been coming out of either of their mouth is, is look, we need to step back and learn from this because while you know it is never okay to make up anything about a hate crime because they're that serious. I mean, and that's not, they're, they're politicizing uh, it. Well, I, I do agree. I mean, I do take the point that there, that these kinds of, the reason people, I think, you know, believed it is because it sounds very, it has an air of believability to it. So I think she's making that point. But that being said, the lesson here, what's happened is somebody wasn't telling the right. truth. And that's the central issue. I think both can be true. I think there can be a problem in a society with prejudice and bigotry. But somebody lied, and that's the issue. And, that's, and there was obviously a a crisis in communications, and I think the best thing is to move forward so from here. We don't need the Premier to state the obvious, and that's what she did there. If this happened, it would be 100% unacceptable. Every decent person in the majority of this country, are we're, we're a country filled with decent people. We don't need a reminder of this. If this had did indeed happened, I would hope that someone who did something so heinous would be prosecuted to the full extent of the law. We didn't need Kathleen Wynne to then talk about something in a hypothetical situation like this. It, it, it was amusing that here talk about things that turned out to not be true because that's you know like her balanced budget yeah yeah the, or the balance the budget will balance itself um okay let's talk about the cabinet shuffle today she said she wanted diversity and women uh and f- for me you know we're just seeing a lot of the same old faces and they're trying to put a fresh face on a very tired party jeremy well yeah it does have a bit of a musical chairs feel to it i mean we are not even six months before an election. I mean, to, truth be told, with Brad Duguid and Liz Sandals and, um, you know, and um, Deb yeah. Matthews leaving, you know, there's a lot of and, talent and, and. that's, and Glenn Murray has left before, you know, there's a lot of people that are leaving, and it, it's possible that she needs to make a shuffle, but 
it's obviously a political move. Look, I don't think this is in terms of how it's going to play or resonate. I don't think it's going to make much difference. I mean, she has a right to shuffle her cabinet. But given that we are so close to an election, it does seem strange. I mean, usually governments, obviously, you you announced your cabinet right after the election. And then there's usually a shuffle, sometimes at 18 months, sometimes at two years, sometimes when it's absolutely necessary. Yeah, it's a bit uh, bit, bit out of the ordinary, but uh, it, it is what it is. If she thinks that any of these no-name MPPs are going to receive one additional vote for having a cabinet position that should not even exist, the largest cabinet in the country, this is bloated and ridiculous, she is out to lunch. Well, well not to mention, none of these ministers have a clue about their portfolio. I mean, Mitzi Hunter could barely understand the they, education they portfolio. Exactly. So I mean, They demoted Mitzi Hunter to a portion of her old portfolio that should have been part of that portfolio. I don't understand why Ontario has an advanced education uh, portfolio. Manitoba did away with it. It was a very uh, good cost-saving uh, measure there to just put it in with education. Uh, one, one highlight, and it is difficult for me to point this out, but one highlight would be that uh, uh, Eleanor McMahon is highly competent, so good to see one competent <laughs> MPP get rewarded with a promotion, but uh, in a cabinet of 29, you'd like to see a bit more than that. I, I, you, I think you get credit because you had the line of the day because you likened <laughs> it to moving the furniture around as the t- Titanic goes down. You know, and uh, we only saw uh, a tiny percentage of that iceberg, so it's going to get worse for this government. And we'll see. All right. Uh, we're going to take a quick break now, go to break. When we come back, we'll talk about some numbers of forum polling. Uh, that shows she's got, uh, Premier Wynne got a slight bump, but there's a but. There's a few buts with it. I'm Alex Pearson. You are listening to On Point here on Global News Radio. You're listening to On Point with Alex Pearson on Global News Radio. All right, good to have you with us. Counterpoint now with Jeremy Richler and Michael Diamond. Uh, let's talk about uh, polling out on the uh, by forum, showing that Kathleen Wynne did in fact get a small bump with the low-income voters for her uh, policies like the minimum wage, free pharma, free, 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 free tuition. Sorry, but nothing is free, folks, because we pay for it. But she did lose 10% with the middle-class voters, and that is a big part of her base. So the left lover... Uh, Patrick Brown comes in at 43%, Andrea Horvath 24 and Wynn is at 16 So, uh, look, you know, I think the media narrative for her will then be, look, momentum. Kathleen Wynn's got the wind at her back. How do you see it, Jeremy? Well, I think she did get a little bit of a boost from that uh, announcement. Mind you, this poll really still had her, you know, quite far behind. I've seen some which have it basically tied. But one thing that I find very interesting, like you point out, is that her numbers are highest with low-income voters, and the party that did best with voters earning between eighty and 100000 was the NDP, and the <laughs> Conservatives were in the middle. I mean, I think that she is more competitive than this poll says, but I think the larger issue is that usually the Liberals are the party of the middle class, and is it possible that maybe now we're bleeding that, but she is, I think, her strategy, and knowing Kathleen personally, I mean, she is a progressive person that believes in progressive ideals. I think it's authentic to her. So the thing is, it works well in galvanizing the left. My concern is that she might start to lose a little bit of the center, especially when Mr. Brown put out a platform that I looked at and said, well, with a couple of tweaks, this is not bad. So, so I mean, the thing is now, then there's, will the conservative base, like what Patrick Brown's for but I, I think, think that's the I think they're so hungry that to she, win. You know, they're the hungry to win, but they will hold their nose. Yeah, they will, you well, know, uh, when it yeah. comes to it, they will hold their nose and they will go to the and poll. And I, if I had to look, if I were a betting man, I say this being the, you know, the liberal supporter on the panels that, the, you know, I'd say the cards, the 
likely uh, outcome is that a, there would be a conservative win, mainly because for any government, 15 years is a long time. I think it's going to be competitive, but I mean, I think they, the conservatives, if I had to bet, have the win in their sales, but it's still early and lots can change. It as almost we know. pains you to say that. Michael, how do you see it? Look, you know, this polling, all it shows is that uh, a, a bit before Christmas, Kathleen Wynne had really shrunk to support amongst uh, close immediate family and close friends, and she's broadened that out a bit now. You know, it's uh, some of the other families come back. But yeah. this this is a government, I think, and you saw this with the resignations of people like Deb Matthews, people like Brad Duguid, that the heavy hitters, Glenn Murray, went and apparently there's a couple job. of other names still looking to leave. And I mean that that's going to be that's a problem for that's going to be a problem for them because you're going to have a bunch of you, you know with a strong local candidate. And a decent campaign or, you know, they'd be able to hold on to some of those seats. But when you replace Brad Duguid with someone on the ballot who no one's ever heard of, I don't see how they hold on to a seat like that. Uh, so, look, there, there's no doubt they're in trouble. The polls are going to fluctuate between now and Election Day. And I think I'd really watch those NDP numbers. Well, but- look, Greg Sorbara just came out. And if you've got a guy like Greg Sorbara, who's like the upper echelon, traditional liberal, like he, he is as loyal as they come. And even he is criticizing, saying, you know, when it comes to minimum wage, you can't, you know, know cure poverty on the backs of businesses i think the problem jeremy for 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 miss win and there are few but if the bad headlines continue come, come out and start coming out now on the minimum wage over the next couple of months and we hear businesses shutting down you know people not being able to get work that is going to be on her well, you know, one thing that really I think does not bode well for the premier is the fact that her favorability numbers are so low. I mean, I don't even know if for approval rating, it's around 20%, a net negative of minus 50. I mean, it's not great news for Patrick Brown either. He's still relatively unknown and negative five. And Horvath is kind of, you know, like marginally Lights, on the but plus unknown. side. But what I, what was a really important question, and it kind of did the trick when Stephen Harper uh, defeated Paul Martin and when Justin Trudeau defeated uh, Stephen Harper was the question who is the who would make the best premier in this case yeah the best prime minister or in this case the best premier of Ontario and that's the number to look at if there are polls which say who would make the best premier of Ontario and Patrick Brown is way ahead then that's very good for him if Kathleen Wynne's numbers stay very low but she does quite well and she's very competitive with Patrick Brown on that question watch out but you don't want to peak too soon No, absolutely. And I mean, we've seen this in previous Ontario elections where the Liberal Party of Ontario should have been down in it. We saw this when they beat John Tory. We saw this with Tim Hudak twice. So for a lot of conservatives, I think there's a lot of, uh, you know, holding your breath and pinching yourself because does it seem too good to be true? And this time, I think it probably is. You know, everything's going in the right direction, but you don't have to look too far back to uh, elections that uh, should have been in the bag and they were anything but. Let's talk about um, Jagmeet Singh. Getting engaged, a little private affair with his family, his new fiance, and a whole bunch of national cameras. And look, I I cringe when I see this. I mean, to me, it's everything wrong, I think, in politics today where you kind of open your whole life and it's all about the style. And I'll start with you because he's no Jack Layton. He just isn't Jack Layton. But, you know, when it comes to politics, style seems to be to be what is important. Absolutely. And you know what? I'm going to actually just uh, go uh, go a bit back. And, you know, Jack Layton, when he won that NDP leadership election over Bill Blakey, who's a man of uh, great substance and great depth within the party, it was all about style over substance. So Jack Layton, I mean, let's not uh, let's not forget who he was, really, when he uh, became NDP leader. Uh, Jack Layton, this is the Trudeauization of our politics. It's really terrible. The only thing I wish is that this young woman, uh, his uh, fiance, and good luck, congratulations to them. I wish she had said no and uh, been when she was so taken aback. What? 
see that she well, was there that, with that, family, friends, and the Canadian press. But that, but I guess, look, the rumors behind the scenes are that it was just, it was already a done deal. They just did this, you know, and staged it. But the problem now that's been pointed out is he's now opened his whole life. So now everyone's fair game that he's put out there, including his fiance. I'm not sure she necessarily signed up for that. I mean, look, the first thing I would want to say is congratulations to them both. It's always very nice when people are getting married and he seems very happy. But I mean, to but make a bit of a political stunt out of a, a out of an engagement, yeah, I'm not crazy about that. I mean, it's uh, I mean, the positive is we're talking about him, and he hasn't been catching any air. And here we are talking about Jagmeet Singh, so that's a plus. So if the ends justify the means, you know, you know, then if you want to be truly Machiavellian, mm-hmm. it had some merit. But that being said, I worry, like you say, I mean, you really shouldn't bring family that close to politics. Uh, and the other issue that I have is when you're talking about Jack Layton, uh, Jack Layton, again, it was a style over over substance, but Jack was, was reasonably was bright. And city and Jack was, and, was quite bright. Yeah. He certainly had a lot of political street smarts. And the thing is, even though he didn't get a seat right away, he got his elbows yeah. up. I remember reporters, like people would come out of the house and they were so peeved. He was in the he lobby. was Absolutely. there. And the thing about Jack Meet Singh, if I were him, I know... I think, and Joe Clark made this mistake too. Until he got into the house, and then it got a bit better. Run, just run somewhere. And if you if you don't win, then it's, sometimes in politics you have to take risks. Him not seeking a seat, he needs to get in there. It's not going to work like it did for Jack because Jack knew how to do it, how to get his elbows up, and so far he isn't. But we did see just national polling just a couple of days ago showing there's a vulnerability in Trudeau that Jagmeet Singh can capitalize on. But, you know, it seems millennials are are not really enamored by him anymore. And so that's an audience, a vote base that Jagmeet could could take. The problem is he's got to deliver them something. You know, absolutely. And what what I actually really fear about those younger voters that turned out in mass for a Trudeau is that they're just going to be so disappointed by inaction on so many files and bungling of so many files that were important to them that they're just going to not bother to vote in the next election. And, uh, you know, maybe for Andrew Scheer, we should all be the complete unknown, the one who has actual substance, but zero style. You know, well, great could, contrast. Well, I'm just uh, saying that, and I find that you know, you've got two on the left who are all style, and then you've got the one guy who's completely unknown who's got the substance. Last I don't point see him as uh, so much of a heavyweight, but that being, it's a heavyweight. But, I said he's got substance. Said, I mean. The Trudeau liberals are still doing well. They had a very difficult fall, I'll admit it, and they picked up a seat in Quebec and they picked up a seat in BC. That's not good news for Andrew Scheer. I mean, I know Justin Trudeau could have certain vulnerabilities, but I still think he's doing what he does very well. And for the people that like him, most still do. And I think he's in good shape. We'll see. All right, guys. Thanks a lot. Jeremy Richler joining us tonight. Michael Diamond for this edition of Counterpoint.